Welcome back to NFT Talks podcast. And today, as always, I have amazing guests. Uh, and today's guest is someone that has been, I would say, considered an influ influential pe person within the space, doing a lot of things, wearing many hats. Uh, he is the founder of Cash Labs. Uh, he's bringing Web3 projects to the market. Uh, and he's also working with Decentraland, so it's the metaverse meets everything else. And he's also worked with a lot of people that I've had on the podcast, which we'll talk about. Uh, welcome, David. How are you doing? Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm doing great. Uh, you know, living life and loving it, uh, trying to push the metaverse forwards, you know, another day in the life. <laughs> As, where, where are you based, David? I'm here in uh, right now, sunny Toronto, Canada. Um, the weather's a little bit mixed here, but I am wherever the world takes me. I've been kind of all over the place this past year, but doing a lot of building right now. So happy right. to be home for a little bit over a month at, a, at once, which is awesome. <laughs> okay, so you've been very involved in a, a lot of things that's going on with, within the Web3 space, metaverse-wise. Like, how have you found it? Very, It's been very fast-paced. Like, how have you been dealing with everything that's going on? Yeah, I mean, it's insanely fast-paced. I mean, I've worked in the entertainment industry for almost my entire life. I was a child actor. I ran a production company for seven years. And this is the entertainment industry on absolute crack in terms of pace. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I, I always like to say that it's like the entertainment industry and the tech industry had a baby and somebody like hopped it up on speed. And that's the, you know, that's Web3. Um, but but it's, I mean, it's been really exciting. I mean, it's been constant exponential growth, a lot of uh, opportunity and just trying to figure out how to, you know, keep up with it all. Um, I know that's been something that a lot of people have felt, you know, they kind of like put themselves in a, in a position and then all of a sudden they have a bunch of stuff coming at them. And it's really, you know, how can you, you know, can, can you, how long can you drink from the fire hose? And then also how can you make that sustainable? So yeah. I feel like a lot of the work that I've been doing over the past year, it's like, for instance, like you mentioned cash labs, that's my company. So there's me and then there's cash labs. I always say, um, cash lab started as just me. Um, because I needed some way to, you know, rationalize and consolidate the the money I was making within the Web3 space, mostly crypto. Um, and now we have um, over 45 people working with us. Um, right. I think we're, we're, you know, we're in very heavy hiring stage. We should have 60 soon. Um, it's, it's just a really big kind of network now of people um, really kind of pushing the decentralized ethos. Um, you know, everybody's a sovereign being. Everybody works for themselves. Everybody has control over their hours, their um, pay, basically, depending on how many accounts they want to work. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, what we've tried to do is is solve problems. I think that the biggest uh, thing that, you know, anybody in a creative sphere can do is is choose the problems they want to solve and then do that well. Uh, and we really enjoy solving problems with Web3 solutions. So um, I love Web3. I wrote a thesis on NFTs and DeFi. I'm a huge nerd in this space. Uh, and I have a big production and entertainment industry background. So those things combined really kind of allow me to um, put on a lot of these big things, especially like metaverse events, things like that are very much in my comfort zone and things that I really enjoy to do. So we, we keep kind of throwing out new events as, as often as possible. We just had Metaverse Fashion Week. We have Metaverse Pride happening right now in Decentraland. Okay. Uh, metaverse Art Week's coming up in August. Lots of things going on. So love yeah. it. I love it. I, I want to I kind of bring it back a minute and i think a lot of people look i think it's a lot of things going on in the space a lot of money or cryptocurrency floating around and everyone's like wow need to get involved you mentioned right away look i i needed a way to kind of put my money somewhere within the business um so how do how did you get to that point first of all to converting your skills to being able to people seeing the value in what you were doing to get paid within this space um I think yeah that's 
No, that's a great question. I mean, I think one thing that's worth mentioning with my specific circumstance um, is that I, I ran a production company before doing what I do now. So I still do produce sometimes events and, you know, drops and things like that. So I do come from a, like a campaigning background, you know, advertising background. Um, I've worked on Netflix shows. I've worked with like brands like OVO before any of this web three stuff, you know, music videos, commercials. Um, we've like art directed or production designed like entire commercials for like major national brands. Um, like we've done, I've done a lot of work before all of this. So I had a bunch of background pre NFTs. Also, I was, um, as a kid, I was like really into Bitcoin. So in 2014, I had like an anonymous Twitter profile and I was like on uh tour, you know, and like, you know, I had bought Bitcoin, you know, to mainly to buy weed at the time, but you know, <laughs> now it's, now that's done well for me, but, um, I think that that's like, that's background background, but in terms of like the, the, what I guess turned over in my life, which allowed me to like get into the space financially, I guess, as a career, um, mm -hmm. I was, uh, you know, pandemic happened. I couldn't do any of the things that I was doing before in terms of production events weren't happening. No sets were, I tried doing one set during COVID in my previous job. And basically we had, we had a hundred person team and only five people were allowed in the building at a time. Oh, so it was like it, basically like a, like what should have been a half day shoot took us a week. And it was one of the most painstaking processes ever. So I'm like, I can't do this. So I ended up going back to school um, and I ended up writing a master's thesis about NFTs and DeFi because I was interested in NFTs. This is like 2020. Um, you know, I was interested in NFTs beforehand and I was, I wanted to see what they were doing. I, I, I was hearing some conversations, you know, early days of Clubhouse about, you know, people considering use cases. And, <laughs> and um, I, I remember I heard one, one conversation around, it was a bunch of like people from, it was like early days of Clubhouse when there were a bunch of like really important people on Clubhouse. You're like, why are you on this app? Um, but it was like a bunch of directors of brands um, in mm. Europe. And I was in Europe and I was like, oh shoot, like somebody from Mark Jacobs, somebody from Ferragamo, somebody from like Gucci. And they were all talking about, you know, NFTs and how they have a use case for fashion. And it just kind of clicked for me. And then I started writing about it because I started writing my thesis. And then I released my thesis at like the very beginning, like very end of 2020, beginning of 2021, when everybody was asking a lot of questions and I released it for free. So I like put it out on the internet and a whole bunch of people read it. At first it was like 20,000 people read it, but now I think like well over a hundred thousand people have read it. Mm -hmm. But um, at that time I was one of the only people like giving informational resources in text form about NFTs, not the only one, but one of the only ones. So yeah. that got me a bunch of attention. And, and the first jobs that I got, you know, properly in the NFT space, you know, in true NFT fashion, similar to Vitalik and everybody else, um, people asked me to write about uh, NFTs and what's going on. Um, so I had, uh, you know, lovely people from Outlier Ventures were some of the first, one of the first big ones who reached out to me. Um, and they asked me to start writing for a little publication they started called NFTS.WTF. Um, and I started writing for them and they would pay me, you know, in crypto to write about NFTs. And I'm like, this is awesome. Um, and then, and then I, you know, I kept doing that. And um, soon enough, people were asking me to do more content, you know, because I have a content background. I was doing video content for people like Unit mm -hmm. London. I helped them kind of start some of their um, community building efforts. Um, and all throughout this time, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm jumping ahead to a bit, but all, all throughout this time, you know, I was still on Clubhouse. So I feel like um, Clubhouse also got me a ton of opportunities because it was this decentralized network, even though it was a Web2 platform, yeah. it allowed me to interface with so many other people who were doing similar things. So I met so many people and so many business people through Clubhouse. And that's kind of what kicked me off, I guess, the writing and then Clubhouse and being kind of a community leader um, within NFTS.tips and other communities. Yeah, I was going to say that NFT.tips, yeah. like, shout out to Clubhouse, man. That's where I kind of, where my first introduction of people, a community speaking about NFTs, uh, you can tap into daily that there'll be interesting conversation. Then you'll get the odd, it was, it was weird, wasn't it? You'll get the odd celebrity and like you said, creative director just dropping in you're like this is crazy but i thought maybe it's just clubhouse but maybe it was just 
the conversation that that's where all the conversation was going on because um well i remember the early days of clubhouse where i'd be in a conversation with 14 people and drake bell was one of those people and then like, yeah. he followed me on he instagram and like, what the <laughs> hell is going on yeah like, like what is this yeah yeah he was <laughs> and all kinds leader. of people all kinds of people like paris hilton don diablo i mean i'm friends with don now like we've done wow. some stuff together i mean it's 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 dead mouse was in a bunch of those rooms yeah um like literally banksy apparently was in some of those rooms like low-key mm-hmm. like this is just it was a wild time <laughs> that was the wild west that's when it really felt like the wild yeah, west. and i feel that, that okay i think that once again that that was the the first but i first experienced the whole community side of it where you, especially when there's products dropping everybody would go into clubhouse and and then everyone would have it at their profile yeah, and then, i mean that was the like, most effective that was the most effective time where the community was really in one place i think like that yeah. was the most centralized our community yeah. has ever been yeah. um i do also think that you know there was a really big period of growth throughout 2021 and clubhouse mm-hmm. uh which then kind of now shifted to twitter spaces but clubhouse yeah. was a really big cause of that i think mm-hmm. um and you know i was one of the kind of like admins of, of nfts.tips for for quite a while and i ran a lot of rooms for a long time and i really will say that you know us growing that community from like zero and like you know a bunch of people were involved with that you know like alex glassy uh eric everybody um but you know, a lot of, we went from zero to like, I don't know, like 60,000 people um, on an app that previously had like no user base um, apart from, you know, very niche invite only. And there were other communities that built, but also considering that like that was in a time where nobody knew about NFTs, there were maybe like 10 or 20,000 people who yep. like knew about NFTs. And we had, and you know, we built up over the course of that year, 60,000 people who were learning about NFTs. That was a really big deal at the time. Um, mm. And and I think that that definitely, you know, that, that like I said, that put me in front of a lot of people. Um, you know, that's, that's initially how we got, uh, you know, even connected to Outlier Ventures. That's how we got uh, connected to a bunch of people. And then, you know, you, this space is very serendipitous. You meet one person, they introduce you to another person, they intru- yep. introduce you to another person. Um, I met Krista Kim, who's a very dear friend of mine and somebody oh, I work with a lot. Um, <laughs> and, and I met her through the work I did with Unit London, because, you know, one of the first jobs I got in the, in the space, like properly was with Unit London and helping them launch Institute, launch their platform. And I was doing video content with them. And I interviewed yeah. Krista. And at the end of the interview, we both really enjoyed each other's company. And we said, where are you based? She said, Toronto. I said, me too. I just got back from Italy, like, like three days ago. And so we got lunch and then we've been friends ever since. That's um, bizarre. So I was going to you there. That's bizarre. Like, because where you've explained that, I've seen all that happened because I remember me going to uh, Unit London to see Krista's work and, I was, and taking a picture to say, look, you work, see how I can see it and so on. And then the fact that you met because you work with these guys and I've seen yeah, the it's all very funky. serendipitous and then i got <laughs> so many opportunities through krista and then she introduced me to another person who get me so many opportunities like it the, the space is very serendipitous and it's yeah. it's very like given if that makes sense like if you help people like if you are generally like genuinely giving and like also doing what you're best at like i genuinely enjoy doing a lot of the things that i do and i'm and i'm and i'm quite good at some of the specific things that i do mm-hmm. um but i'm really i'm also i try to be honest with myself as possible you know if somebody asks me to do something i can't do i don't say yes to it <laughs> <laughs> so i think that's also how i've been able to kind of like push forwards in the space cuz um I don't know this. I have my own version of the little, like, I think Warren Buffett has some quote where it's like, he doesn't take leaps. He takes like steps um, mm-hmm. over like very achievable, you know, mountains. I'm like, I don't necessarily take steps. Everything in this space is a risk. Um, but I definitely have like calculated risks that I know I have to take. I, I know how to do, you know, communications or PR, or I know how to do community building. I know how to write. I know how to do video content. You know, there's things that I know how to do. I know how to do strategy. Like that's my favorite thing. Um, but 
you know, I feel like a lot of people in this space, and, and this goes back to one of the first things that I said, I feel like a lot of these people, a lot of these people, a lot of people in this space will overextend because, you know, it is very aspirational and super cool. And, and we can, anybody can do all of these things. Like all of these things are things you can learn on the internet. You know, you can, you can figure out yourself. It might take time and effort and experience, but you can learn how to do coding, you know, 3D work, whatever, yeah. you know, you can learn it on your own, but you can't do it all. And you can't do it all if you're coming from scratch. So I feel like a lot of people have to be, you know, realistic with themselves. A lot of people starting their own NFT projects and banging their heads against the wall. Why isn't it working? I'm like, well, you've never done, you know, artwork before. You've never done marketing before. You've never done, you know, like all of the things involved in launching a project, like they've never done them before. And it's like, so don't be hard on yourself. This is your first time doing it. It's a great experience. Um, and you kind of go from there. But yeah, going back to what I was saying, I think that what what I set myself up for is that, you know, I... I come from a production background. I come from a content production background. And ultimately, most of what I've done in this space is content production, UI, UX, uh, you know, brand rollouts, things that I'm very comfortable in. But it's also integrating those things with Web3, which is now the world that I think I very much live in. I don't do anything really outside of this world anymore. So uh, okay. it's, it's my life now. So question to you then, uh, and I'm not sure if he was involved or not. Maybe you can tell a bit more, but uh, I really found in the early stages, and we're keeping on the clubhouse side of it, when celebrities were getting involved and dropping NFTs, one thing I did see, and I'm, I pointed out, I'll use an example, is Floyd Mayweather, when he dropped his NFT. Now, it didn't go as well, I would say, as any other, these celebrity drops. Um, I mean, I don't know if he was involved. Um, if, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, that's safe. They didn't say to talk about it. It's okay. Yeah, so, I mean... Which I'm assuming you was there, is around when that when that happened, right? Yeah, I mean, um, I was I was in and around. I don't know if I was in the room, but yeah. Okay, so like, what do you think? What do you think celebrities are doing wrong? Because I mean, they've got all these, they've got the audience, they've got the massive audience. Um, they people know who they are. They've, they've got the brand behind the, the personal brand. How how why are they failing? Because there are people that will come in the space and they won't do well. So what? Where's the disconnect? What are they not doing right? Based on your knowledge. I think I think there's a lot of good examples of celebrities entering the space. There's a lot of bad examples of, of, of celebrities entering the space. I've gotten the chance to work with a bunch of people um, coming in. And from my perspective, it really just comes down to um, their knowledge and their involvement. Um, I think a lot of people will want to do, you know, enter the NFT space by proxy because they see it as lucrative. Um, so they'll have a manager or they'll have someone on their behalf kind of launch a project. And I've seen a lot of these. I've worked with some of these kinds of types of situations and I, even if it goes well financially, it's never ultimately successful because they don't personally have any kind of, you know, stake in the game. I'm not saying that celebrities can't have people on their team helping them launch because, you know, like Snoop Dogg is not going to do the entire sandbox drop on his own. He's not going to dev it out. But, you know, I think that it makes it's, it's important for them to at least be involved in the process and, and, and be in touch in some way, shape or form, even if it's just on a monthly meeting. Um, but I will say that I, from my experience, and I don't want to name too many names because I don't want this going like TMZ or something. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, a lot of celebrities that I've worked with are very out of touch with the process of building these NFTs that they launch. And I think that that's usually the main issue is that it'll be a total concept or come up with by a creative team. They'll just say, cool, do it. And then they'll execute it. And there's no touch point that actually is, is theirs. You know, there's no, there's no genuine connection with them in the community. And then when it launches, they don't feel any connection to it. So they don't feel inclined to go into discord, say anything about it, talk to people about it because they didn't make it. They had no part in the ideation process and they have no connection to it. So I think that one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of marketing people are doing in the space is they're pushing things to go fast, fast, fast. We want to do it now. Um, when what people really want are authentic experiences. Um, and you know what people, like you said, these, a lot of celebrities have crazy engaged audiences who 
fucking I don't know if I'm allowed to swear who okay, can I yeah right. they, a lot of these people have you know they have they have fans who fucking love them they love them and if they actually had an authentic uh, interaction with them whether that's on a live stream whether that's on some Instagram posts whether that's on you know Twitter spaces if they actually took some time to have some li- and, and we've seen people do this successfully Dead Mouse, Steve Aoki, Paris Hilton, um, Mark Cuban like so many people who've actually you know Gary Vaynerchuk who just like take the time sit with the community like okay what do you want how can I work with you like let's do this together mm-hmm. and even if it's not a hundred percent genuine it comes off as genuine and it's and it and those are the projects that succeed from my perspective are the people who actually take the time to you know maybe buy a few nfts themselves that delve in themselves before they fully take the dive and launch a project um i think that you know just to shout out somebody who i've talked to recently who i think has done a great job um nicolo formachetti uh to use the i don't know semi-proper pronunciation of his name uh lady gaga's creative director i've had some chats with him lately and he's been like in his words like a student the past year trying to figure out all of this stuff, what virtual fashion is, what the metaverse is, what NFTs are. And I, and I really think, you know, especially considering that from my perspective, you know, these really are long-term, you know, techs, technologies that we're going to be working with. So I think it's advantageous for celebrities, pay somebody to do it for you. You have money. You don't need to do it yourself. Pay somebody to teach you about these things and learn and try to figure it out. You know, ask your financial advisor, do you have, does your kid have any NFTs? Can he teach me how to buy some NFTs? You know, um, I think that it, I think it makes sense. If you want to come into this space, a lot of people come, even if you're coming in with a financial perspective in mind, even if you think, oh, this is a good business opportunity. It is. It is good business opportunity but you have to come in with the right intentions if you want to make money in the space okay well what are you going to do like what are you going to do for the people it's a service business at the end of the day what are you going to do for the people who are buying your shit like point blank period like what are you going to do for them what are they what value are they going to get out of it you're going to give them a cartoon skunk that's not good enough like what is that cartoon skunk going to do for them you know is is it going to be a piece of banksy artwork cool you can sell those as just a cartoon skunk but if it's not you know, you have to really consider what that's going to do for people. Is it an access token? Is it a ticket? Um, what is the community? Why is the community? Why does the community exist? Yes, there are communities that are purposely non-utility. Like I love the MFers and how that they have this whole thing that like, you know, uh, like we have no utility. It's just a, it's just a cartoon stick figure. It's funny, but that's, but that's droll. That's purposely tongue in cheek. Like yeah. generally speaking, if you're a new person entering, also that's coming from like veterans in the space. Uh, if you're a new person in the space and you don't have a following, you don't, you know, you're coming in for the first time, you have to, you know, kind of do the work. <laughs> yeah, and, and, the thing- and, and that, that includes celebrities. That includes, it's not just like, you know, Joe Schmo in, in, in Nebraska. That's also like, you know, if, if, you know, I don't know, Angelina Jolie wants to launch an NFT. She can't just launch an NFT because she's Angelina Jolie. She can, and it might sell, but it might not, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it may and it may sell, but you may not hold that value after it's sold, which is another thing we see a lot of projects. Right. Yeah, that, and then uh, people get pissed. They buy it, and then two months later, they're like, "Well, what the hell did I buy it for?" You know. So I want to ask you a question then. With it, I know that there's a lot of, um, and I know we'll just keep it because we're talking about celebrities at the moment. Is a lot of I know that a lot of celebrities being pro- approached by agencies, and they are being offered upfronts, um, payments to kind of take their IP, and for these agencies to do what they want with initially uh which can be i, I think it's bizarre that people are taking payments because whether it's a million pound or or million dollars how much is your is your brand worth that you've built up over these years uh so what's your thoughts on that 
Well, look, you know what? I think the reason that that exists is because, and again, I won't, I, I'll try yeah. not to name names, yeah, but yeah, yeah. from my perspective, celebrities have been asking for that, especially celebrities from the music industry, because it's what they're accustomed to. You know, most musicians, unfortunately, are used to the traditional record system and they're used to getting paid out in order to have the rights to something. You know, it's it, it started, I think, from the musicians and from the artists asking for that, coming to platforms like Rarible, OpenSea, and Super Rare and saying, hey, will you give me an advance of a half a million dollars? And they all said no, because that makes no sense for the platform, because the platform is only going to make a small percentage on it, but they don't understand that, you know, they look at it as a huge marketing thing, because, you know, I'm this person. Um, I think that what we're seeing now is kind of the result of, okay, the marketplaces aren't saying yes. So agencies or new marketplaces, you know, new people who are trying to make like major marketing stakes in the game are the people who are picking up on these kinds of offers and who are, you know, in turn making offers to other celebrities, you know, maybe they had some negotiations with somebody and they didn't work out. Those are the people who are, you know, going and reaching out to people and being like, Hey, you want half a million dollars. You want $300,000 to do an NFT drop. Um, but let me tell you, everybody in the game a year ago was asking, I can tell you, I'm, I'm really trying not to name names. There's a lot of people that a lot of people would know, but everybody was asking straight up for money. Like, Hey, will you give me 300 grand? Will you give me, but this person got 300 grand. I want 300 grand. Like that was almost every backroom conversation last year in terms of like celebrities entering the space. It was a cash grab. And now I'm, now I hope to see less of that. I'm already starting to see a little bit less of that, which is cool. We've talked cash labs then, uh, successful, obviously the successful drops working with celebrities. So one, I, I, and I was there within the clubhouse, I've seen you work with uh, Coke Boys, French Montana, um, the, the digital wearables of the sneakers. I thought that was really interesting. Um, so, and, I, and the thing is, it makes us, like I said, at that point, I didn't know you, it was, you was there because of cash labs. So I was a bit like, who's this guy at this point and, and why is he involved at, at that point I wasn't sure but obviously I looked into you after and it made sense but yeah that I've, I consider that's a successful draft I know I'm connected with Cam he's very passionate about push like continuing and doing more within the, the NFT space uh, so tell me how that came about and how you guys worked so I mean it's actually quite funny because I initially met Cam through Krista actually she okay. was she was talking to him so it's funny how things come about you know one thing leads to another um, that drop went, I think that drop went really well. I think it was, you know, a really great learning experience for everybody involved. I think it was one of the earlier celebrity drops. Um, and I think it was one of the earlier celebrity drops that actually had, you know, added value components, you know, like we had an AR filter, we had a metaverse wearable component, we had all these things. Um, and I was really proud of, you know, pulling that off. I, I, I personally did a majority of, you know, the production and ideation and everything for, for that drop. Uh, so it was a lot of work. I mean, it was apparently according to Rarible is one of the top 10 drops ever on Rarible. Um, it, it sold quite well. Um, but you know, it was also a great learning experience. And I think that, you know, it was also in the earlier days of my business, it was pretty much just like me, my assistant and a very small team. You know, I had like a graphic designer and maybe like one web person and maybe one video editor and that was it. And, yeah. and, you know, it was a really big learning experience of, of how much work goes into a large scale NFT drop. Um, I had done some other things before that, but most of them that were one of ones, which, which market completely differently, you know, that's very, you know, one-on-one -on -one marketing. Um, but, you know, it was a great learning experience. And I think that, you know, the community that we built out of that was, was very helpful. Um, I, I ended up leaving after the initial project was done just because we finished our initial scope and we were just so super busy. Uh, and I kind of passed it off to Cam and his team. And I think that, you know, they're continuing on the legacy, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I very much see it as, as, you know, one of the kind of major stepping stones uh, within my career. Um, I definitely, now I'm, I'm happy. I can say that it's definitely not the biggest thing I've done anymore, but you know, for a period of time that like that, 
that and like the pure, the drop the project I did with the NBA also with Krista last year, you know, those two projects were like two of the really big marquee projects that like pushed me into a lot of the things that I'm doing now. And also it gave it, it allowed a lot of people to trust me because they I I was I was responsible for the production side of that, even though that's not a majority of what I do now. Now we also focus on the go to market. I'd say there were two major learnings for me. One is that, you know, I, I can produce great content. I know that I can like the, you know, the AR filters and everything, you know, it all worked. Um, even though like apparently making a shoe AR filter is next to impossible. The AR people told me, but we just kept pushing them forwards. Um, and, and also, you know, it, it gave me a lot of confidence in terms of my ability to, to sell NFTs. You know, I was, I was up on clubhouse, you know, some days, like, you know, 10 hours a day, <laughs> um, you know, selling, selling these NFTs and sharing information about the project. It taught me a lot about the power of live audio, um, which I've definitely leveraged into all of the projects that I've worked on pretty much all of the projects I've worked on since. Um, and it taught me a lot about the power of like the NFT community and, you know, being like legitimate and authentic and, you know, ultimately, you know, you can do as many celebrity partnerships as you want on a project. It's the people who are going to buy it. So if you don't go to the people and if you don't interact with the people, nobody's going to buy your shit. <laughs> so uh, I think, I think it was a really great learning. Yeah, I think historically a success. So. Okay, I love that. So we're, we're talking, obviously, a lot of these projects we're talking about, we're talking about digital fashion, which I think is, uh, or virtual fashion, we're going to call it, which I think is going to be massive, and it's already on its way. Um, and integrating that into the metaverse, obviously, you, you've also involved with um, Decentralized Fashion Week. So tell me a bit about, yeah, how did that, what was the reason for that? Um, and and how was, what was the outcome of it? I mean, yeah, you can start from there. Yeah, I mean, I've been interested in in fashion for a long time, even back when I was doing um, work previously through my production company, you know, we, we, we loved working with designers, we worked with a lot of fashion designers, we did a bunch of like New York fashion weeks, uh, etc. Um, the school I went to and did my master's at is they, they do a lot of fashion programming, a lot of my classes were fashion related. Um, and actually, one of my final projects as well for my for my master's, I also did a magazine, and we focused very much on on virtual fashion. And we actually, it's funny, because we worked with a lot of people who, who now are people that are very much in my network who I work with very often, but we worked with some designers from the fabricant. Um, and you know, these, these were some of the early days, I guess 2020, 2021, right? So they were some of the only people really on the scene. Um, you know, we were, we were reaching out to dress X and, and people like that, who now I work very closely with. Um, but, but anyway, fast forward a little while later, you know, I did the Coke boys drop. Um, I was working with some virtual fashion companies like the fabricant, you know, on some content and things like that. Um, I did, a, I did a IRL event with the fabricant, um, you know, a year or two ago and, you know, things were moving forwards it, virtual. It's funny. Metaverse fashion week actually started um, essentially as just like a conversation. Sam Hamilton, the creative director of Decentraland um, was, was, you know, thinking about doing a, a fashion event. He wanted to do a fashion week of some kind. Uh, and I had breakfast with him and Gigi Casimiro, their event producer um, in Miami at Art Basel in December. December of 2021. So like months before it happened, like not that many months, but months before it happened. Um, and, you know, we had a conversation, uh, you know, just generally, cause we'd, we'd had a chance to work together on some previous project, like the cook boys project. They like working with me. I liked working with them and we were thinking about what we could do together. And they mentioned this fashion week idea. And I just started, you know, spewing ideas as I do, cause I have a million friends who are virtual fashion designers. And I'm like, well, he, I have a list of like at least 20 people we could immediately, um, you know, put together and put this together with. Uh, and then I'm sure we could also get some big brands. And they're like, okay, that sounds great. Do you want to work together on it? And I'm like, sure. And then they're like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, I guess I could curate it because I have all these brands. And they're like, okay, you're the curator of Metaverse Fashion Week. I'm like, okay, fabulous. Um, so, so that conversation happened. I was kind of like, okay, well, what do I do now? Um, I, I started having a lot of conversations, um, a lot of conversations, like probably like over like 100 or 200 Zoom calls, I would say, like over, over the next few months uh, with various designers 
um, you know, folks in the space, uh, brands, etc. And, you know, we started to build out like what the programming was going to look like. Um, the Central End really kindly offered to create a gallery space for me. And it's so as, as part of like, as my payment for doing this, um, they gave me six plots of land in, in the Crypto Valley district and, and built me this beautiful gallery space, uh, which is now the Cash Labs gallery. And I put on a show in there of over 20 designers specifically in there. And then I also helped throughout the whole process, um, you know, working with a lot of the brands, helping them through their process. Some of them, we produce their shows directly via cash labs. Um, some of them we just advised and helped kind of like, you know, put together the vision of it. Um, I was involved in a lot of the planning calls throughout the entire process. There was a lot of work done. I, I can't take full credit though, because the Decentraland team did so much work. Um, Shibu and the, the devs and all the 3D artists of Decentraland are absolutely incredible. Um, UNXD as well, they, they put a lot of work into this. Bosan Protocol put a lot of work into this. Um, and I think what, what this all resulted in was just a really incredible event. Um, with so many different levels, because so many people were working on it on a bunch of different levels. We had fully, fully realized retail experiences. We had full runway shows. We had fully realized gallery experiences. We had a whole series of panel talks, which I hosted. Um, there was, there was photography, there was, um, you know, videos, there was art, like it, it was very much fashion presented in all of its different formats. Um, we could not have anticipated the the reaction. You know, we were looking up like how many people typically come to a show at like a traditional fashion week. And we're thinking, we're looking like, okay, 20 to 40,000. So we're like, okay, if 20 to 40,000 people come to all the shows that we would consider a success. And, and you know, over 108,000 unique people came into okay. Centraland to see the shows over four days. But then the crazier part is that once we released this all to the media and we shared videos and photos, um, over 1.2 billion unique people and over 7 billion, uh, so yeah, over 1.2 billion unique people saw this event and overall it garnered over 7 billion impressions which is similar to like a Lady Gaga like album drop or something like that so it was it was absolutely insane it was not at all what we expected and I think what it resulted in is a lot of brands um, starting to internally ask the question you know what can we do Um, I think it was funny because we got a bunch of pre-press like pre-production press before the event went live and even like a week or two before there were brands reaching out uh, wanting to do stuff And, and, and I think within the last month of fashion week actually one of the biggest activations of Fashion Week, um, Estee Lauder reached out to me directly, and, and I actually ended up producing their their event there. And their their activation had over nine hundred million impressions, like their activation alone. And you know, it was it was on top of everything else, you know. But it was it was a huge success. Um, and, and it was it's really interesting how brands that chose to loop into this framework, you know, people like Tommy Hilfinger or Philip Plain, um, are now you know even months later already considered like the visionaries. Of, of, you know, the traditional brands entering the Web3 space. So I think it was a huge opportunity for a lot of people. Um, and now also we're seeing a ton of people respond. So I think Fashion Week next year, we're actually going to start planning it already in a few months because Fashion Week next year is going to be absolutely next level. And, and also last thing I want to say, because I'm talking a lot, but um, metaverse, we, we really want to start taking the idea of Metaverse Fashion Week more seriously. So next year, what we really, really want to see, and maybe this is something you want to touch on further, but I really want to push the interoperability potential of the central land and see experiences in all metaverse versus um, next year for Metaverse Fashion Week. We saw some this year. I pushed some in my gallery. There were some, you know, links to metahuman experiences and things that weren't possible in the central and spatial galleries. But yep. next year, I really want to see this taken to another level. So that's yep. what I'll say about that. Okay. <laughs> that's interesting. You know what? Because I think our next question was a lead to kind of like the question of this whole Metaverse and are, are there enough people coming? Is enough traffic coming to these spaces? Like, okay, we talk about the Metaverse next great thing, but is, is anyone actually there? Because I've been to some spaces and there, there is a lot, there, was a, there might be a couple of yeah. that, but that, that is, is that going to, that's it, you know what I mean? Like, so 
what more but I mean, it, I think it's the same as anything else, right? Like if you just stand in a field in the middle of Wyoming, you're going to be like, there's no people here. Are there no people on earth? Like it, it's not, you know, but if you, if you have Coachella happening, like there's going to be a ton of people there. Right. Yeah. So I think it really, it really depends on what's happening. Um, there's a few things to consider. Like the central land has over half a million monthly active users. Um, mm -hmm. like people who pop up into central land throughout different events and, and paradigms, mm -hmm. um, sandbox apparently has hit over 2 million users. I don't know how many are active. Um, yeah. you know, spatial apparently also has almost, I think like 400,000 active monthly users. Um, so like there are people using these platforms. It's there's right. millions of people using these platforms. I just think the, the time that we see this most is when there's an event or something happening. That's why these types of events, like, metaverse fashion week or like pride or, or you know all these other things happening this this is when the most people come so like i did a like for instance i did a, an event a private event this was private not even publicly advertised a private event for my bff um mm -hmm. that organization on the rooftop of my cash labs gallery on june 1st um mm -hmm. with paris hilton and, and there was an avatar paris hilton djing and doing a dj set right. um and 1800 people showed up to the one hour event and it was private it was it was blasted out through an email list and a discord it was private and eight over 1800 people showed up and i think they claimed like over three thousand like over three thousand things were claimed from those 1800 people wow so wow. it's like there are people interacting and it just depends for for what and why and who the same questions we would ask in in physical space so i think the cool thing is we do have this, it's not there yet, wherever there is, right? It's not, we're not at full reality. We're not beyond reality. You know, we're not, we're not at a point where, you know, things are, are incredible in terms of, of um, like fidelity, let's say, but the central end is an amazing solution and you can really do a lot within that space. And if you see fully built out areas, like if you went to Metaverse Fashion Week and watched the shows, like you would have, and, and, if, and if you have a computer that could watch it at full capacity, that's also the thing. If you have over like 32 gigabytes of RAM, you saw an amazing show that you would never, you know, same as like seeing something on Fortnite. Like it was really amazing quality. Um, I think that in the next few years, as people, you know, as technology continues to develop and we see more things like what Elon's developing with Starlink and all these things, like, and people get better Wi-Fi and better devices, we're just going to see a totally new metaverse and it's going to be way more accessible for people to enter. Um, and also on that note, one last thing I want to mention in terms of people entering the metaverse, one thing I also want to say, and I, I, I talk about this a lot. So if you, if you've heard this somewhere else, I'm sorry, but, um, when we're talking about the metaverse, um, my response to every mother, every, every worried parent, everybody who says, you know, this virtual world is taking us out of our physical world. And it's a detriment to our, you know, lives because, you know, we already spend so much time on our phones. We already spend so much time on our screens. How are we going to go further? I, what I say is I don't look at the metaverse as, you know, replicating reality. We don't need to replicate reality. We have reality. It's here. It exists. What I think is exciting about the metaverse is the metaverse allows us to move beyond the confines of reality and do things that are not possible in our physical surroundings. So that can range from something physically impossible, like being able to fly or having, I don't know, I could have, we could have, we, the, for instance, the pride parade that we're, that we're showing is going to loop for 24 hours for a month. If you had people doing that, they would die. You know, like that's not humanly possible, right? So, so like there's things that are like just fantastical that we can accomplish or like being able to like have a house, you know, on a volcano. I, I, like anything you can imagine is possible in the metaverse. But then also on a more practical level, I'd like to say, you know, when we consider users and why people are joining the metaverse, why people are there, let's think about people in situations that are not, you know, who don't live in major cultural hubs and major cities. What if I'm a trans person living in Saudi Arabia uh, and I don't feel comfortable exiting my home you know, as my authentic self, I can go in the metaverse, I can put on my avatar, I can be myself, 
and I can live authentically, you know, in virtual space. So for some people, it's a lot more practical than, you know, than, than we might think. And it's the same reason why, you know, the internet is important, you know, the same reason why, you know, the World Wide Web or telephones connected us further than they've been able to thus far, because now instead of having, you know, uh, this disconnect via a virtual device, what I like to say when in the metaverse is, is we have a more tangible experience. We have an, ex we have an experience. It's not just, you know, it's not just a, a web interface that you are interfacing through. <laughs> it is, it is something that you're experiencing. And if you walk up to a person, even if it's an avatar, you're still walking up to that person's avatar. It's a much more direct and I like to say tangible experience um, in the metaverse. So anyway, that's my, that's my rant. For no, I, I like it. And I think it's important to say that and to highlight that, that about the metaverse, because you will get whether it's mothers or whatever, talking about well, this is going to take us away from the real world. We can't have. And this. it's a valid concern. It's a valid concern. No, I, I get know, it. I'd like to say that at the same time, we, probably, we check the, the hours and they're using their phone and social media is probably within the six, nine, the six or nine hours. Yeah, so how many how many hours is that same mom on Facebook? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's already happening. But um, yeah, that's sort of a conversation. Okay, so I love that. I love that explanation. Another thing, we're talking a lot about fashion, which I think is interesting. And obviously the, the, the metaverse and whatnot. But I really think the... I've seen a lot of big brands uh, kind of going in between. So they're bringing it into having physical fashion that's linked into NFTs also, which I really think is interesting. So, um, for example, I know that you're probably connected to through Clubhouse's Zoe. Um, in yeah. High-end fashion and displaying the NFTs. Also, you've got um, Gambit, which is obviously the, the NFT jeweler. So these physical items that people can actually wear and showcase their NFTs. What's your thoughts about that? Is, it, is that going to be the adoption for mass? in order for people to join the space and to buy these entities to showcase them? Yeah, I mean, I do definitely think so. That, so there's a few things worth mentioning here. Um, there's the idea of the digital twin. There's the idea of digital. Um, and then there's the idea of, you know, ideas, I guess, concepts beyond that. So like digital twins, I think, are a reality already today. You know, I have during Metaverse Fashion Week, I've gone to a kiosk in Decentraland or a Metaverse solution. I've clicked, I've bought, and that item is, all, is, is A, a wearable in my wallet, but it's also uh, an item that was shipped to my house. And I have a few things like that um, that I've seen and, and, it, and it works, it's cool. Um, mm -hmm. It's a great use case of people selling items in the metaverse. Also, you know, similarly, if you bought a physical item, it could come with a QR code, which allows you to claim an NFT uh, wearable version of it. That's dope. But I think it's a quite simple, you know, embodiment of it. I think we're going to see a lot of it. You know, I, I think that that's the most general, you know, example, let's say use case of digital fashion. Mm -hmm. Then we talk about digital as a, as a broader component. What does that mean? You know, digital and physical combined. So there's a lot of use cases of this. You know, we've seen, you know, for one very, you know, popular, very general use case is the ability to buy physical fashion with crypto. Um, because it's not quite an NFT, but you're still, you know, integrating this digital component into the physical buying experience. Mm -hmm. um, We've seen a lot of, you know, I, I would even argue that sometimes when you buy a physical and it comes with a digital, it's not a twin. Sometimes there's just a pairing, you know, that physical item can come with a, an NFT or it can come with, you know, a POAP or something. So there's also this like physical digital pairing, uh, which we're seeing a lot of, you know, even companies like Diesel have done like components on their clothes where if you scan it with an app you know it'll but but you know we see more of this happening in web3 um and then beyond that i think we're seeing starting to see more and more exciting examples um you, you mentioned a few clubhouse friends i think zoe's doing lovely things but also i think francine from metagolden is doing some really cool work where you know you'll see uh you know a physical piece of jewelry linked to like a really absurdist digital piece of jewelry and it's not really something you can necessarily wear but maybe it comes with a digital wearable so you'll have like this 3d piece of art you'll have a piece of jewelry and you'll have a wearable so i think people are trying to push it further and do more are, are, you know, are doing cool things. I think what, what DressX is doing specifically, also to speak about something I work with um, quite personally, you know, DressX, um, when you buy something in their meta closet, you know, they try to give you as many options in terms of wearability as possible. So, you know, you'll have, 
um, you know, the ability to wear it on Decentraland, on Sandbox, et cetera. Um, and there's a bunch of people trying to push for this. Also, uh, another person I work with who, who I think is amazing is Dark Blocks. Um, you know, there's, there's solutions now even outside of the direct virtual fashion realm where, you know, people are creating interfaces where you can either bundle NFTs or token gate NFTs. So, you know, somebody could use Dark Blocks um, to make one virtual fashion or make one NFT the accessibility token for, you know, every metaverse. So we're definitely already seeing solutions pop up. And I'd highly recommend, you know, if you're a virtual fashion, blocks, check out DressX, you know, check out the people who are already kind of innovating and pushing things forwards. Um, but solutions are being created. And I think that, you know, once those solutions are normalized, we'll start to see interoperability um, becoming a more regular thing within the space. But um, yeah, hopefully that answered your question. I feel like I got a little no, bit of no, a tangent. I, like, I liked it. Like it. I liked it. If you're just giving your answer, I like you just to spill because I think it's so valuable for people listening. Uh, you're like, because you're working with so many different people, different areas, your experience, obviously the from in the real world from before NFT to now, like it's just a splur of creativity and what what the future may look like and what's going on. So it's important for you to speak. So I'll just while you're speaking, I'll just let you go and 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 add that. <laughs> <laughs> but um this I before we I, I want to kind of tap into like another industry. Like is there any other industries that you're we, we're not talking we're not talking we talk about digital fashion, we talked about the metaverse, like other industries I think that are, are gonna like really explode over the next few months but music or real estate or even how yeah for that or ticketed i mean i think that there's a use i mean i think there is a use case for every industry in the metaverse uh, yeah. essentially from my perspective the way that i like people to think about nfts is just a means of transacting things on the blockchain yeah. it's it's not an internet of things you know it's just how we transact things on the blockchain right it's 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 as simple as that if you want to sell something and sell it with crypto, it's better to sell it as an NFT than to just sell it with crypto because you have it tracked and it's all on chain. It's just, it saves you, it saves you a bunch of steps in this process and saves a bunch of middlemen, saves you paying an additional hosting fee for a traditional website. Um, so I, I like NFTs just as a tech, you know? I think that, you know, obviously the art world embraced it for the most part. First, I think we're going to still see things pushed a lot further because, you know, we have the Central Land Art Week coming up in August. Um, even, even organizations like Sotheby's and Christie's who've done a lot in the NFT space still have a lot to do, you know, to push forward to actually be Web3 enabled platforms. Um, I don't know if anybody here has tried to buy an NFT on Sotheby's, but it's not so easy. You know, I love them. I've worked with them, but it's not so easy. So, you know, improving the ability, you know, integrating Web3 functionalities directly into websites, I think it's going to be something that's going to be, you know, normalized across industries especially fashion and art in these kinds of like early trailblazer industries. Um, but to your point, you know, health for, for healthcare and mental health um, and education, you know, those three, I would say, I think their biggest potential there is in the metaverse, you know, in making those types of, you know, opportunities more accessible to people. So I think that's, that's a really obvious use case to me. But then also in terms of industries that I think are immediately next, I think that any, and I've said this for a while, any, I, any industry that involves big ticket sales, so real estate and automotive, I think are really obvious use cases that I'm definitely seeing a lot more of already. Um, I can mention this uh, depending on when this podcast is coming out, but um, Renault, uh, which is an amazing car brand, is about to be putting out a ton of NFTs over the next year. Um, uh, Acura has already put out a bunch of NFTs. So, you know, we're starting to see, and it makes a lot of sense because if you're selling something for $50,000, it makes sense to create a whole digital experience around it because let's be real, we're not paying cash anymore. Transactions are digital. So if you can make that experience 
you know, if you can turn that digital transaction into an experience, why wouldn't you? If they can buy it in the metaverse or if they can get some kind of digital component or digital interface or app or something on top of buying that car, why would you not give that to your consumer? It's just added value. So I do see a lot of, a lot of brands taking major steps forwards um, into virtual spaces. And I think that real estate and automotive, I think are very much next because they're high ticket sales. It makes perfect yeah. sense. Do you, do you want to give somebody a million dollars of cash or do you want to send them that in Bitcoin as a transaction on the blockchain safely? You know, or Ethereum. You know, it's, also value, yeah. Dave, there's also value for the, the as as a company too, isn't it, in regards to potentially royalties aspect of it. Uh, in perpetuity, if you if you were one real estate agent, yeah, you could get a one percent fee forever. <laughs> it would be great. <laughs> exactly. And then also, like when we talked about automotive cars and whatnot, just being the value of knowing who, what kind of people have bought your cars. That that was one someone buys it from the, the, the where they buy it from the where would you what's the place called now? Would you what would you call it? Slip my mind. Where would you buy a car? Um, like a car store, yeah, like like an automotive shop, yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah, slip my mind, but yeah, you buy it from there, and then they have no recognition where that goes and what's happened with that car after that. But he has it as an NFT. You're able to track where it goes. Absolutely. Yeah. Also for for fashion, I mean, for non-virtual fashion, for physical fashion, that was one of the first things that made sense to me from that first conversation that we touched on. Yeah. You know, people were talking about you know if if Gucci has a consumer. Uh, or if they, sorry, better, better example. If they sell a pair of pants, they sell a thousand of those pants. If it's an NFT, they can track forever where those pants go. And mm -hmm. if 30 years from now, they're in some vintage market and they want to find them, they could contact that seller and be like, hey, we want to buy them back for our archives. And they could. Mm. It would be so difficult. Actually, like when you, this is a very niche example, but heritage brands do spend a ton of time and money um, into sourcing their own archives, which sounds crazy, but like that's a fashion industry specific example. I know in Italy, there's there's in a whole industry of people who will literally just go to vintage markets and find, try to find like in, in great quality archive pieces for brands like Gucci, Ferragamo, Prada, because they don't have them. They don't have them in their, in their factory. You know, it's, it's crazy. And, and I know like there's like, um, there's a store called Angelo Vintage in Italy. I know specifically. And yeah. these brands will go there to inspect their own garments from like a hundred years ago or 50 years ago. So yeah. it's really something to be said. And the same goes for cars. You know, you, it, it, it's the more user data, the better. And this is user data that the user has decided to give to you. So it's way more powerful. I love that. A, a bit more about yourself before we wrap it up because I know we're short for time. NFTs, you, is anyone that, that, NFTs that you collect yourself whether it's art or fashion or anything else, like you can talk about that. Too, maybe, maybe too fucking to many. <laughs> maybe I have like one or two, two, to talk about two, to talk to. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've collected a lot. Um, I have hundreds of NFTs. Yeah. I have over 200 virtual wearables, most of them specifically for Decentraland. So I have a lot. I have a lot of Decentraland wearables. I love Decentraland wearables. Um, if I can mention maybe one of the best people I think are making Decentraland wearables, um, I think it's, uh, there's a few. Um, but Roe, um, he runs a brand called Placebo Digital Fashion House, um, mm -hmm. and they make some next level virtual fashion wearables. If you saw some pictures of my avatar on Twitter or in like magazines and stuff, it's mm -hmm. probably in one of his wearables because he makes some crazy stuff. Um, I've recently bought a couple pieces from two collections I can mention also because it's Pride Month. Um, I, I bought two pieces from Jason Ebayer, who's an amazing 3D artist. He did a collection called Them, uh, highlighting non-binary PFP figures. So my current PFP on Twitter, if you want to check it out, is a, is a piece from Them. Um, and then I also just bought two pieces from Mike Ruiz's latest collection called Leathermen, uh, which is a series of 100 one-of-one 
photo portraits um, of members of the leather community from all different backgrounds. So like you, when you think of Leatherman, you think like old straight white guy or like old white guy. Uh, and when you actually see like the collection, it's crazy. There's drag queens, there's women, there's people from every background, every ethnicity, differently abled. Like it, it's a it's a really well done collection, I think. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll highlight those two since it's June. <laughs> okay, perfect, perfect. Uh, and just to round it off, like a question I asked to all my guests, and I think I'm really going to get an interesting answer from yourself now, is I want you to imagine 10 years in uh, from now, uh, want you describe a morning, you wake up in the morning, what does your morning look like involving the metaverse and NFTs, like from you wake the alarm goes off and then you go. Uh, no, I mean, that, that's a great question. So, I mean, I would, in 10 years, I don't know if I'm going to be doing anything like I'm, what I'm doing right now. I think we're going to be a totally different realm. I definitely see um, me waking up in the morning, being able to like click the air, have a glass of water, pour, uh, getting out of bed, being able to like click and like initiate morning meditation yoga sequence. And like without removing my glasses, just like everything just like appears around me. And I have like a yoga coach, like work me through like a morning routine. And then I have a different person. I swipe and then a different yoga per a meditation person comes and leads me through a guided meditation, all just through my glasses, not having to put on a headset or anything. Uh, and then I could go, you know, I could be like finish meditation, click. I'd like to order order food, you know, order my food, just kind of like, you know, maybe I go to the fridge and I go, oh, we don't have this. I click, I, you know, I order it. It orders automatically to come to my door. Um, you know, I can, I can click a little thing. It'll buzz my boyfriend awake. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I think that basically to, to suffice to say, I, I, I really do see the very near future being mixed reality. Mm -hmm. I use VR a lot right now. And I use metaverse solutions a lot right now because they're what exists. Um, but I definitely think that us familiarizing ourselves with these things is us working towards the very near mixed reality future that we're going to live in, where, you know, this metaverse space is going to be in, you know, in parallel to our immediate surroundings, and that we're going to be able to interface with it. And I'm really excited for that, because I don't know about you, but I get crazy fatigue with my eyes being on my phone and my laptop all day. I would much rather be able to do it in a fully immersive environment, um, just be able to click the air. You know, since I saw that in like, you know, I don't know, Iron Man and like some earlier Space Age movies, I've always wanted that. So I'm really, really excited for that to be a reality. And the moment it is, no matter how prohibitive, prohibitively expensive it is, I will buy it. <laughs> buy it now, I love that. Like, um, it's in, yeah, it's pretty much, it rounds up your thoughts and everything you spoke about to how you see the future, where it could be. And I, I honestly believe that we can be there in 10 years. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited. Uh, but thank you. I hope sooner, but 10 years, 10 years is like my, like, I don't know, please, like, please within 10 years. Like, I don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe five years, if you're going to pay, you're going to pay the price for it, baby. Right. <laughs> yeah. want to use it maybe 10 years or a bit longer than that. But yeah, I look forward to it. Um, but I was going to say, like, Dave, thanks for coming on uh, and sharing all the knowledge and talking about all the things you've done. Um, you've been a great contributor uh, to the space and, and obviously you're still contributing. So uh, I look forward to seeing all the amazing work and all the things that you're a part of in regards to building the future for Web3. Um, where can the people find you if they want to connect with, uh, obviously, yourself or Cash Labs? Uh, where can they find you? Oh, thank you so much. Uh, and it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, you can find me on pretty much all social media at David Cash 888. Uh, that's my Twitter. That's my Instagram. Um, I believe my LinkedIn's different, but if you search David Cash, you'll find me on LinkedIn. Um, Cash Labs as well. If you search Cash Labs on LinkedIn, you'll find it there. And on Instagram, it's uh, at cashlabs.io. And on Twitter, it's cashlabs underscore, because I can't do .io on, on Twitter for some reason. We're, we'll figure out a fix for that at some point. Um, but yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Now, thank you for coming on. So much value, man. Uh, so I hope everyone enjoyed watching and listening. Everyone stay listening and stay blessed.